Hello and welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Jim Rugg. I'm Ed Piscor. Going to look at a classic today, Mobius's Airtight Garage. This is the epic uh, books that came out in the 80s that we're going to be looking at, although I do have a black and white reproduction that we may go back and forth a little bit. Uh, it did appear in Heavy Metal Magazine in black and white originally before this one came out. So before we dive into this, a little bit of Kayfabe business. First of all, we will be at Heroes Con in Charlotte at the end of June. Please come out, check us out there. We'll be uh, set up at tables. We're also going to be hosting some panels. And uh, basically, it's my favorite comic book show, man. It is definitely comic-centric, so if you love cartoonist kayfabe, it's a show you'll enjoy. And if you come to Heroes Con, make sure you uh, come by, say hello, and let's talk some cartoonist kayfabe in person. Also, like, follow, and subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe YouTube if you haven't done so already. Hit that bell icon next to the subscribe button to no get notifications when we post new videos. It'll give you a leg up on the Kayfabe effect, which is we post videos of a lot of different comics, and if you decide you want that in your collection, so does somebody else. And these books often sell pretty quickly on eBay, Amazon, or your local comic shop, or the prices go up by the end of the day. So hit that notification button. You'll be the first one looking for these issues. Chances are uh, this this book's going to be a little bit high already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, um, He's let, a kayfabe, man. You better hope that this book isn't expensive. <laughs> yeah, get, get the deals on this one right away. Act fast. Um, also, let these videos play through to the end. That allows YouTube's al algorithm to share our videos with other comics fans who haven't found Cartoonist Kayfabe yet. It's how we grow the channel. 65,000 strong and growing, so we appreciate your help on that, of spreading the Cartoonist Kayfabe word far and wide. Tell your comics friends about it and uh, let these videos play through so ed with all that said this is a bit of a classic in my mind of mobius you know we we've looked at some different mobius comics on this show i think of the inkle i think of the airtight garage uh, and blueberry probably are the three books i first think of when i think of mobius and uh this one's all him so it's it's kind of cool to uh have a chance to sit down with this. I was recently in Ireland and read this on the way home, which made the uh, the plane ride much more enjoyable. It's stunning. It's beautiful. The art, I don't know if there's a bad-looking Mobius book out there. I haven't seen that one yet. But uh, there's some really breath breathtaking art in this story. Oh, on every page. And uh, there are moments, like you could even just start cracking it open, but there, there are moments where the 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 Jean Giraud and and the Mobius uh, characters they 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 intersect you know Jean Giraud the artist of uh, of Blueberry Lieutenant Blueberry as you said uh, Western comics uh, you can't call him spaghetti Western because it's French uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this for instance is Mark making of this face is Mark making of the Jean Giraud Blueberry stuff but like the rest of it is uh, is Mobius like and it's the subtlety of the body language, the weight of the figures, uh, just the, the 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 clear line aspect, where he's not faking anything. You can't hide in clear line, and he doesn't. Uh, he speaks a lot in this comic. Also, the visual storytelling is 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 stunning stuff. Uh, he talks about how he's he's just uh, whimsically doing these comics. Like there's not much of a script. There's not much of an idea go in, at the beginning, and in fact, it becomes an exercise of trying to create continuity, 
along the way. Uh, as, as Tom said, you, you build your wings on the way down. <laughs> <laughs> well said. Kind of thing. And uh, This is a wild drawing. If yeah. you pause a second and just kind of look at the marks on his face, they're like scribbles. They, they look amazing. Like it's a great face, great figure, character, all that stuff. But you look close and it's it's hard to believe what he's constructing that drawing out of. That's a lot of this stuff. Like yes. look, look at these trees right there. You know, it just marks, it all looks the same line weight. Yeah, like some of the, some of the stuff describing that tree form in the background the book is full of this stuff so i'll try my best to refrain from you know having to pause at every drawing that i'm impressed by yeah but sometimes it's just overwhelming you know and it's it's really interesting to me because we go from like okay no real backgrounds you know we're going through the forest and then we arrive at a city and it's like holy shit it's just it's phenomenal it's perspective it's a bunch of different architecture that goes from historical kind of ruins to like almost sci-fi next yeah. to each other these kind of elements it's like there must be some germ of something he saw in like a national geographic and then you just add on top of it because there are other parts where it's like it's clearly like on a watchtower on a, an aircraft carrier but then it's it's juxtaposed with like a Tunisian, you know, like mud hut. Yeah. And again, you turn the page and we're, we're, we're going from Western. We're going from like some classic setting to like clearly into sci-fi land. These backlight, I don't know, sorcerer figures are going to be one of the enemies, uh, kind of in the background a good bit. This first story is weird. It doesn't feel like it's part of the airtight garage, even though it's packaged that way. You see, man, that's like some sort of submarine top but right. built into i think even refers to it as a sub that's coming to pick him up uh this is one of our main figures throughout major grubert grubay yeah not, not sure the pronunciation there but he's going to be one of the main figures uh throughout this story once we get up and running with it the figure work even at this level is fun to look at yeah this is a great page for an example of this right because we've got kind of a more traditional perspective then there's that baseline we're going to see throughout this book used again and again Moby's so good at that and then this is just almost an abstract drawing you know where you have these figures coming in and out it's not an open panel but it has elements of that just a lot of different stuff oh and i should say a word about the coloring is that mobius colored some of this and assistants that he was sort of overseeing colored it yeah so the coloring here is by his choice um, versus again the heavy metal serialization which ran in black and white Yes. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, um, you know how we had uh, Frank, Frank Whiteley for uh, ep volume five of uh, mm -hmm. Akira, and at the end when he's sounding off, how he was talking about how Otomo is a cartoonist that just excites him to draw. Like, he wants to draw after. Mobius is that way for me. And, and maybe we even called out Mobius as being another one of those guys. But looking at this comic and seeing, like, very clear organic lines hand done clearly, uh, not too many of them. It makes you want to like, oh, maybe I could do this. Like, let me, let me try my hand at that stuff. It just gets me excited to go back to the board. Of course, you're not, you're not getting close, uh, man. I do look at this stuff and I see like the legacy of this is so rich. It's such a big influential vein in comics. Like you can look at some cartoonist and be like, Mobius, number one in this dude's history. They don't hide it. But man. even like, in pieces, you know, I think the influence is just massive. We could massive. say it, you know, Brandon Graham, like down to the color palette that he probably took from inspiration from, from these volumes, because these are Brandon Graham hues, you know, like, a, totally. like, like little 25% subtle hues. Like this is like 
so tight to it. And he, and he has the bulbous buildings and like, you know, he's, he's internalized that stuff in a solid way. So this is a nice piece of this book. And that is introductions, notes by Mobius. Yeah. And so you get a little <laughs> bit of insight to this. You know, one of it is uh, the editor for Metal Orlant, I believe it was, I'm not finding his, uh, Jean-Pierre Donnet saw some of the pages that he had done for the garage, the airtight garage. And it was kind of just, as he talks about waking up, you know, and having ideas or working late into the night and then seeing them the next day and maybe tossing them out, maybe refining them into something. But this is what happened with, with the airtight garage is the editor saw a couple of these pages and was like, this is great. Would you do this for the magazine? He's going to buy this strip. And I think movies couldn't even find those whenever it was time to actually start drawing this. But it sets up the episodic nature of how this was serialized in, in Meadow Orlant. And it was basically two pages at a time for the most part. And then he would plan the next two pages after that. So it's this like very serialized approach to story. Um, talking off air, Ed, whimsical, I think, is a word that you used for it. He talks about, I think, humor, uh, you know, being a part of this. So kind of an interesting approach to story telling and world building it feels like it's pure, building those wings that, that you that you say you know tom talks about it, it, it just feels like pure pure art where you just kind of intuitively put it together like he liked the challenge of trying to get this stuff all to work but it doesn't it's not the point like the point isn't to have a traditional three-act structure with like payoffs and all that stuff he's just putting the stuff inside of his head down on paper you know it's 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 Rory Hayes or you know any of these other Robert Crumb these people getting their ids out on the page kind of thing it's just his id is going to this place tell me that's not like uh Jim Woodring-ish yes type, yeah type stuff this is so cool too I love seeing it like in this perspective and then whenever you see it like from a different direction it's it's like you're turning this this idea around on the page for us to see it uh one couple last notes here he talks about science fiction being great because it allows him to be more direct with his philosophical preoccupations um that's that's cool i think that comes through in different parts the airtight garage is full of references so uh mentions like some superhero genre references i even used a drawing from an old issue of iron man as a model for the sequence where gruber and cornelian fly away i think i pulled that one out there's also a uh, an homage to will eisner which i'm pretty sure it's clear so we'll point that one out when we see it but kind of neat to see him talking about the references uh being used and being displayed here you know i, I feel like reference is one of those words that man there's a lot of opinions on that but i i think uh i think i have no problem with references and uh Nice to see Mobius talking about them. Yeah, totally. And, and just talking with uh, with Jeff Darrow, like Jeff said that he was sitting there with uh, with Mobius, like tra tracing a photo uh, and just turning it into a Mobius drawing. Like, and it's not this static, boring, ugly thing. He's using this piece of reference and turning it into something like like that solid of body language that you probably ain't doing that out of your head. Yeah, I have no idea. I was looking at the costuming and thinking like Little Nemo and Slumberland or something. It's, it's absurd the amount of detail in that costume. A thousand percent. Yeah, it's every texture. You know, it's every pattern. There's a, one of the big changes here is we're in Louis Carnelian's garage. Yeah. That is, uh, it's Jerry Cornelius in the original, which is a Michael Moorcock character. Yeah. And, uh, and talks about changing that name. Um, he feels like that was kind of a topical joke time right joke. right right and, it, and it's over at this point yeah 
Man, what colors, though, to, to open this up. I love these vehicles. Like, all the stuff that he invents is incredible. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, as a vehicle, this is... It's just so fun seeing the stuff that he has to create in order to populate the world. You could just imagine the bounce. Like, this is just so full of air that the vehicle's... And this is Cornelian. This guy works for him, destroys this vehicle, and now he's going to go on the run because he's afraid of what Louis Cornelian might do to him. I, I was thinking Elon Musk uh, whenever whenever I was reading this. It's really cool in the Marvel book because they retain like sort of all the lettering that uh, that Mobius kind of puts down. So it's you know the Hermetic whatever the fuck, but in the uh, heavy metal magazine, you know they get John Workman or somebody to go in there and uh, call it the airtight garage. Yeah, and he, he addresses that somewhere too. I, I guess it's in here because I don't remember reading anywhere else. But the way uh, he thought Hermetic was a better, thought it nailed what he was describing more than just airtight because it also refers to sort of the esoteric. Yeah. There's one of those ships too. This feels like something. Hair dryer or something? Yeah, Star Wars. You know, like it reminds me of Star Wars, like the asymmetry and kind of kind of weird shapes for a flying object. And here's our, our intern designer engineer who blew up his ship trying to get ready to make his run for it. This is the stuff, like this texture right here, that's, uh, you can see Jaime Hernandez pull, pulled from that in his like early Mobius period, his like 1982 stuff. We were mentioning cartoonists that I think are influenced. You can see the influence. I see a lot of Paul Pope pulling from this stuff. And especially in like some of this sequence, for whatever reason, it just reminds me of Pope and like THB. Mm -hmm. So as he's making his, his run and trying to leave Carnelian's garage, a random guard shows up and he shoots the guard in the head uh, as part of his getaway, probably unnecessarily. And we're going to have references to that guard and to this guy being on the run. And they keep referring to that guard was a father of two. It's a weird, like, humanizing note that they that they put on this. Yeah, and, and you know what? Like, that's the kind of note that you get in every culture but America because we just fucking, you shoot the centuries, man, and you just keep rocking. You don't think about, they're just... There's good guys, there's bad guys. Obviously, you kill your enemy and you just keep going. And we never explore that part. But, like, you know, as Peter Chung, his dad was like a diplomat for, like, Korea or something like that. In Aeon Flux, you see those elements. Uh, the French, like, you see those elements. Yeah. Man, some of the drawings, like some of these faces and stuff where we get close-ups, I just think are incredible. This is one of the funner sequences, if that's a word I can use here, uh, that I enjoyed reading. And it's like, Carnelian, I believe it's Carnelian, it might be Grubert, sends this spy, it's Grubert, sends this spy down first. This is a multi-leveled, the airtight garage is basically this, I don't know, world, right? That's contained and uh, something's going wrong. And so Grubert sends his spy down and he's basically operating this robot, this android. So this is a giant with, uh, I guess, humans inside of it controlling him. Yeah, but you don't find that out until, like, the next page. Like, flip that page, dude, because it's the whimsy of, of Mobius when... Because you just see this guy having a clear conversation, like, just saying words, and you can tell it's a conversation, but then you see these people. But you don't know if these people are in a satellite or something, and this guy, it might be his superpower where he can, like, read people's thoughts or, or something. But then a trap door opens, and that same couple we saw comes out, and it's like, oh, he's a Megazord. Yes. He, he's a Voltron, That's man. right. That's right. And he's, he's facing a grave robber that they've been looking at at these pyramids, and the grave robber charges him. So, got to handle that. I had to look it up. Uh, after like seeing this panel, I'm like, is this that iconic Muhammad Ali standing over top of like Joe Frazier or whoever? And it's not, okay. but it's really close, man. 
Yeah, probably one of the superhero genre homages that, that he mentions in the beginning is referencing uh, kind of the sequence, a little bit of that. Yeah, and it's just, uh, it's unfortunate that, you know, it's the Phantom that's, that's <laughs> like, uh, popular everywhere because, uh, you know, we don't think much of it around these parts. It is funny. His fiance snuck on board whenever he was heading down to this, this world and uh, was pretty excited by seeing him handle this grave robber skeet, character. Skeet, so skeet, they got to stop and let our superhero meditate for a moment while we, uh, we enjoy this. <laughs> Bask in the glory. And he runs into this town where he is overwhelmed, the head ripped off. That's a pretty fun, I feel like that's a fun sequence for your giant android. And they crawl out from the head and are on the run now in this, I guess, hostile territory. Right. But it's just so funny because, like, all the doors are still right. Like, so he clearly was a super big giant, but you wouldn't even really know it, you know, given the, the uh, terrain and all that stuff. Part of the, uh, you know, you, you get hold of this comic in the 80s when this comes out or pretty early on. And it's, I have no perspective for, like, European comics or anything outside of Marvel DC. So it's just inventive and feels exotic he would just get stuff in that's wild that this drawing absolutely man take a look at that stuff in the black and white man uh, and and this is one of the strips that i did have and it, it was just it was just two pages like yeah it was a way you know you get mobius's name and the magazine you could say mobius contributed you get two pages but he's also like mobius is is moonlighting a moonlighting job for jean Giraud. he's doing blueberry comics by day and then he's just doing his passion projects by night. It just so happens that his passion project is so huge. I feel like this stuff is such an um, influence on Otomo, you know, with Kaba and all that. Man, like when we see that, that creature like submerge in water and stuff. I wonder what time period that is. I wonder if that's an influence on Mobius, you know, which way that influence is running. That's fair. Yeah, because clearly both of those guys. It's so cool to me to go from like, everything we've seen and then you get this you know like like these two page spreads like he's really kind of flexing and going in different directions it makes for a, a fun read um you know your eyes are never going to get bored no. in this comic open it to any point it feels like one of those movies where it's like you turn on the tv and this movie's at whatever scene and then you have to watch it's kind of the i feel like you open this book anywhere your eyes will be happy we're this is incredible yeah we're talking about that that mad god uh stop motion i don't know if you got a chance to I, see I watched it. that on the flight back but that's the same deal right like any moment is visually stunning with a lot going you have to watch that flick a million times in order to get it all it's a i think that's a really good comparison for this kind of comic too because what we're doing is wandering through this world it's yeah. a lot more of like a visual showcase to me than it is a tightly plotted story even yeah. though things sort of come together eventually but it's a lot of just bouncing around and like enjoy yourself you know look 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 through the panels have fun with this you know they're on a train now whenever this plane comes swooping in and bombs the train can't help but think of uh, quietly a little bit with that face yeah it's really interesting drawing to me the the pointillism that he's using on some of these faces it's just it's it's a variety of mark making you know to go from like this kind of linear stuff i guess that's to indicate shadow but then to do your your pointillism in the very two drawings later. And here's your creature floating. Ed. So cool, man. It's beautiful. It's about subtlety too, man. Just like a slightly darker line. It's still a clear line, but just that slightly darker bottom bottom uh, plane sells you on the 3D of it. 
Yeah, and it it's st and it's still clear line. Yeah, I like seeing how he does his shadows and stuff because you don't see a ton of blacks once in a while, but for the most part, it's uh, it's just you know line work and in almost exclusively the same line. Like this is the same line for everything. A really fine line here, though. There is some disparity, I think, in the weight of the line, and I wonder if the nature of drawing like two pages and next month I'll draw two more. If we're like, oh, maybe this was drawn bigger, you know, different paper here. You'll you'll see some very blatant ones. Maybe a new pen nib was was uh, loaded up. We're gonna see some some real distinct ones. It's such sure. a beautiful drawing, though. So simple. This is the very first airtight garage piece I I got in an issue of uh, of heavy metal. So so like. Time to pay some bills. Ed Piscor and I are working cartoonists. The best way to support cartoonists kayfabe, buy our comic books. Red Room, Trigger Warnings, issues one through three now available in comic shops everywhere barring uh, 28 countries and I think 11 comic shops where it's banned, but you can ask for this and order it from virtually any comic shop. Who knows, they might pull them out from under the covers. Red Room, Trigger Warnings three, the second season of Red Room. Every Red Room cover self-contained, so pick up whichever one you find and you'll get a complete story along with Red Room anti-social network the trade paperback of the first season available now wherever books and comics are sold hulk grand design monster madness a retelling of the 60-year history of the incredible hulk i am writing drawing coloring lettering the whole shebang the grand design way and this is available now in comic shops everywhere both issues the complete story of the incredible hulk's rich history pick that up now wherever comics are sold and back to our regular scheduled programming going through this there are like the little bits that are like so near and dear to my heart because uh, you know, like Mobius is a rare gem, you know, and, and getting your couple Mobius pages, like you just don't, you don't forget them. How good color wise does this look on screen? Incredible. To have those two next to each other. Incredible. Clearly another, another scene, but you still get a little bit, just enough to make the, the spread fit together really well. And each of these would start with our story so far. And yeah. sometimes they were very detailed accounts. Like I would read those and be like, okay, now I understand what was going on there. And other times they're completely tongue in cheek. You know, Major Gruber is now ready to enter the second level. Uh, this, this world has three levels. So that's one of those progressions that we're going to go through. Our story to come, few gags, the mystery will deepen. So it's, it's definitely goes into that whimsical uh, direction. This piece, like the perspective of it is astounding because uh, you know you have your horizon line around here wherever it is these and this so this is a rounded form so you have the steps are a different vanishing point mm -hmm. than the vanishing point there and then you have this vanishing point I don't think that um, a lot of this is, is kayfabe perspective like it all feels really really solid it doesn't seem eyeballed and on the very next page I think these steps are eyeballed yeah. because it goes from like about your eye level here where the line is level to a pretty severe you know like like this feels like its vanishing point is much lower mm -hmm. but if all your eyeballing you know if these are your improved uh, vanishing point not not too bad this one looks real solid like yeah. like it was gridded out it all feels it all works for me none of its uh, glaring no but so many of his forms you know like you can see this is wrapping around uh, you know this perspective so you're not going to have one vanishing point and this is the beginning of a new chapter compared to that so this is the disparity this is like that real glaring like difference in, in line weight and then you can't help but you think of wood rings you know like with this this kind of stuff did he see this when he was at Rankin Bass or it's a good question it's a really good question some of these panels I just find beautiful yeah they're very st they're very quiet this reminded me a little bit of um like Toth 
especially the line work version of it where it's like there's there's nothing extra there it's it's very kirby to have like all the dutch angles and the bombast and that is what makes you know comics the marvel way but the subtlety of just having just a flat you know linear perspective like that it has its moments we might have passed it already but there are several of these landscapes that remind me of crazy cat sure uh this one is not the best example but it's something in case in case i don't call it out in the future or if we missed it it's something to watch for because there really are some landscapes where i swear you know he talks about references and old comic references and i feel like those are clearly crazy cat references that we're seeing in, in some of these spots after this character gets introduced this like it triggered a memory and when i was at angoulême i saw a couple original pages and they they come much later and I'll call them out and, and talk about them a little bit from, from what I what I recall. This is so wild. This is one that could be... There's several of these things that remind me of Frank White. Mm -hmm. This kind of piece reminds me a lot of him. But the fun thing here, besides our, our now superhero Archer who's helping our, our engineer who's trying to flee Cornelian, there's this creature that's just... I don't know, out of a Jim Henson straight up factory. <laughs> straight Sesame Street shit. We're going to get a little bit of a conversation with, and it's just wild and bizarre. Grubert is struggling, man. He's kind of lost his way, even though this is a world that I, I believe he created. But uh, he's kind of lost his way, and a lot of people are out to get him. So whenever these two stumble upon him, they've been following him as he as he gets lost. They get the drop on him, man. They could, they could do away with him, you know? And uh, it's not going to work that way, because, of course... He's being viewed from his uh, his command satellite, his spaceship, and they wake him up, send him a little bit of a signal through his pointed helmet, and uh, he wakes up and is back in control, gives him a fake name, says he's a, uh, a friend, looking for a friend there, and so they take him under their arm. Off they go. Shit like that, dude. Yeah, you gotta have somebody with your back on, on your space command, and that's what he looks like. And, could, could be anybody. And, and, like, look at the simplicity of that. <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. You know, so, like... It's it's totally unorthodox to everything. Like he'll add a, a ton of detail to like the lighting of this, but have the chillest control panel that is like, you know, maybe this guy can only operate the level of technology of like a McDonald's cashier or something. Big buttons, <laughs> so like uh, he needs that. Yeah, this this controls are pretty funny. It's like the controls from Idiocracy. I think this is one of those pages where you can really see some of the Harriman crazy cat kind of shapes on the horizon. Like, th this would be right out of a crazy cat. Love, this is another one where the color palette's really sharp to mm -hmm. me. You know, if you see this in black and white, it's so open, but clearly it looks hot and gets your shadow in there. That's cool to have an orange shadow. Right. Yeah, it's, it's so cool. Like, there will be big panels where the characters will be in the shadow of a building and the color will just reflect that. Like, the color's the only thing letting you know that that's where they are. This is almost Harvey Kurtzman-esque drawings, these figures. Mm -hmm. they're, they're very loose here. Man, it's great. His ability to do perspective, too, with nothing... You know, like, you're not doing... setting up a perspective grid for that. It's, it's one of those things where, like... There, <laughs> there is constant perspective everywhere. Yeah, it's... So, so like... The, you're taught kind of to do that really like you don't have to rule it out but like there's perspective everywhere uh you know the, your your pant line has to go a certain way and it, or else it will just look wrong so real artists real illustrators with those kind of chops they they do pay lots of attention to that 
so they're kind of stumbling into a bit of a civilized area here and that's going to mean uh, let's go get some drinks <laughs> another one of those rounded forms and, and it's a continuous line but you could tell that it that it has a curve that's that's extremely hard to draw yeah it just blows my to mind to get it to look right blows my mind that the, the ability to do scale mm -hmm. phenomenal yeah no nobody could do it like he does man they're investigating and trying to repair this famous train that had been bombed this is kind of cool it's almost like whenever you would see the baxter building or something from outside almost like something out of a marvel comic and they're in here enjoying themselves ordering drinks in this bar very densely populated too meanwhile cut back to these caverns where our engineer's trying to escape with his uh personal bow hunting uh, bodyguard here or escort and gets pulled aside this creature wants to have a talk with him <laughs> look at that thing man how does this fit into a comic ed <laughs> and, and especially like these two facing each other so out there i don't know what people would make of this you know like you talk about jim woodring seeing it and that that kind of makes sense but Think of everybody seeing this. Oh, yeah. And just the ability to have a character like that in the middle of this, it actually feels a little bit cinematic. When we talk about Jim Henson or something, where like you're putting these creatures' kind of special effects into with live action and, and, and human actors, it kind of feels like that a little bit. And I guess he's working in film, so maybe thinking that way on some level. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know about it this time. You know, like, like this is the portfolio to get that opportunity, man, because the design acumen in these comics, it's above and beyond what, what is done in comic books. Yes. Uh, the other thing that is impressive to me is his ability to use value. Yeah. So like, you're clearly going back into the caverns now, like we're gonna keep keep going on this journey. And that reminds me of the superhero kind of like over rendering almost style. Uh, and then one more example of that great perspective is they're going deeper into the depths of this level. All right, back on Grubert's ship, trying to figure out what to do. So his uh, his lady is making some of her own moves. And uh, what she's going to do is get one of the first mates up here. I'm going to send him on a mission. I think I can positively influence this. And their deal is to try to find Cornelian's brother, who at one point there's a photo of uh, Grubert, Cornelian, and his brother. Let's track him down and see what he has to say for all this. And this is her getting ready to uh, give give this other shipmate some orders preparing to influence this guy a bunch of different letterers uh in this in this book man i think we're, we might be moving towards the uh kevin nolan lettering mm, i never even thought to try to be on top of that i could easily point out the phil felix stuff which is like up front the first the couple strips are definitely phil felix he's got the very sharp skinny italic uh hunt 102 like brand new hunt 102 marks um i like whenever mobius does these kinds of panels where there's like a flat thing happening and then something in the foreground yeah earlier it was that photo you know with the finger pointing at, at the at the character um here it's like a monitor but it's it's effective to see that it's another one of those creating depth it in, is in yeah. your 2d drawings so grubert's fiance brings in this lark fellow to uh have him do some some work she gets a kiss from him, and when he wakes up, he's on his other planet. He's and, been transported. And this sequence, I start to think of Gilbert. Yeah, that's a good call. 
everybody had to be looking at this sure because there wasn't that much else you know certainly nothing like so interesting what was noteworthy you know you have the books that look like marvel books you have the books that look like dc books and you have the books that are homaging will eisner's spirit right <laughs> clearly a reference there i think look at this i think man. we've switched lettering ed and and if i were going to bet on kevin nolan oh this i'm is calling this kevin, nolan yeah that's definitely kevin nolan right there man look at what they that's probably john workman uh yeah, like I feel like that's that's workman stuff, but uh, you know, workman earning his pay. You think workman's doing that airtight garage? I think that's part of the drawing. Then what's that? Oh shit! That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I didn't realize that was different. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, man. Like I think because like that's that's not Mobius strokes right there. That's kayfabe, you know. That's clearly Mobius. Wow. But this feels like underground comic strokes. You know, it's not Mobius. And then and then you have to filibuster and do some fake shit. Like, that is not Mobius whatsoever. It's so funny how it can pass, you know, like at a glance. Maybe at a glance, but that's so quick and, and less considered. Look how considered that is, man. It's funny, though. Like, why even get rid of the honk? I guess it's a space issue. It if is you're a space redrawing. issue. Yeah, the, the T comes too far over. There's times whenever this kind of, I like this effect a lot where mm -hmm. my word balloon's not outlined, but yeah. the background hatching stops. Um, sometimes there are issues with the color where like the color is going to be like two colors that cut through that, that space and they don't figure out what I would think is a better solution for it. Not a lot in that chapter. A little explanation why this archer's helping him pretty much exposition on the background of this world and, and Rupert. Yeah, which gives you an opportunity to just dig on some cool drawing. Yeah. This is one of those fun, our story so far, with little uh, margin doodles. Yeah. A Mobius loop. <laughs> so they're back to Grubert in the bar, and uh, somebody shows up with plans to uh, shoot somebody. You assume it's Grubert, but it's actually going to be his spy that he had sent down. Blows the back of his head out, too. You see stuff splattering out. Ka -ka kaboom Pretty graphic. And off he runs. This was Grubert's buddy that brought him to this bar that did the, uh, the assass assassination here. Hercule Poirot. <laughs> Look at some of the people that are in this place. It's just Robots. Moss Isley Cantina, man. It is. And there's like a little dick. <laughs> it's like the devil. <laughs> Sneaks his spy out the door. He's still uh, he's still kind of alive, I suppose. Gonna get as much information out of him as possible. Not a lot. Yeah. But a little bit there. And this is uh, Lark. This is the person who was sent by Grubert's fiance to uh, have this mission. Where he landed wasn't correct. So now he's just wandering these, this tube system. That feels like a Mobius, a kind of classic Mobius drawing. Really cool cutaways. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to describe being lost in some alien dimension, I feel like that's a pretty good illustration of oh, it. Oh, yeah. So peculiar. I love how it's almost a Hawaiian shirt, and then you start looking closer, and it's like, I don't know what that is. Yeah, it's mosaics. It's another one of these great dark kind of panels. When we start seeing this guy... And there's a couple others. I start to think it's a self-portrait. Hmm. 
Yeah, I could see that. Never thought of that, but yeah, I could see some similarities. I like this title treatment where we're chopping off the edges, kind of zooming in on it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's something you would see done in design a lot in the 90s. Really thin lines here. Like this is this is certainly one of those uh, pieces where it makes you wonder: Did he draw this on like much bigger paper and shrink it down? Because it does. It looks like some fidelity gets lost even in in some of the the line work as it gets reduced. It is interesting the way that the weight of that line changes from these chapters to chapters. Here, uh, Grubert reassures our dead spy's fiance: It's okay. He's just an android. This is some shit out of like uh, Nick Fury. 60s uh, Nick Fury Shield comics, man. There's like a life decoys and stuff. There is a Mobius universe and and stuff like Adina and some of his other works. Uh, it, it fits in here, man. So I wonder if that's like a little Long Tomorrow kind of piece. It's so hard to tell. There's so many when he talks about references in the beginning. It's so interesting to me because like you see those references in his other works so it does make this stuff kind of unified in a way yeah he's done i think a couple sequels to this uh the man from siguri which dark horse published a collection of i think there was a sequel to that in the caliber mobius comics that we looked at um that's him that's that's grubert is you know siguri is his uh spaceship yeah so this is cool though seeing like that Android now being taken apart by the locals like what is this guy? What is this thing? <laughs> Grubert makes his escape. It's a, it's a hitchhiking robot. There's gonna be cops all over the place trying to solve this latest puzzle. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Dude, it's that hitchhiking robot man that was making its way across America until it got to Philly. <laughs> that's right. That's exactly and right. I think the last image that it took, man, it was like a bunch of little kids with sticks over top of it. Like... <laughs> that's so funny. It made it like 4,000 miles. And I think the, the um, headline is like decapitated robot in Philly or something like it. It does feel like that uh, that long goodbye. You know, it's almost like spy stuff. Mm -hmm. Some of these like... That's the part that makes this read made this very readable to me was going in and out of certain parts of this that feel like noir or, I don't know, cyberpunk. You know, like there were these little pieces that just kind of made sense. Did you find a, uh, an extra page? Mm, yeah, a couple. All right, so... Allegedly, there's an extra page in this edition that uh -huh. didn't appear in the French edition. So perhaps the page you're finding is the French edition page that doesn't appear in here. And it might be both. Oh, I think we see this somewhere. This this could be that uh, just uh, this just different pagination out of out of order. Maybe I don't know. Maybe missing a chapter. I'm not sure. We'll see. But there is there is a, a page or two anomaly between the English and French versions yeah. of this. This is a cool sequence. This is one I remember from. I don't know where I would have seen this other than in this book, but this one always stands out to me. Where they show up, they emerge from these tunnels, our uh, archer and our fleeing engineer, and it's like there's a sub once again to take them away. Or at least that's the plan. But our bomber is back as well. Man, his airplane stuff's really cool. It all looks good. The pagination of the bootleg is completely... It's gone sideways. Completely sideways now, so I'm just going to look on... <laughs> Fair enough. ...at your piece. We'll be, we'll be done with the bootleg. Not a problem. So, continuing the two pages, and uh, cut cross-cutting between Lark on one adventure and back on the uh, airtight garage world in the other. And the Lark adventure totally goes into his, like, western blueberry world. Absolutely. Down to the lettering. Like, yeah. like, like that is the lettering style of choice, which, which was kind of like a... Uh, European house style letter like you would see that kind of lettering on a lot of those kinds of books and 
maybe even retaining the French or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's not English. That dress is crazy. Like the drawing. Yeah. Because that is not a screen tone. No. Yeah, it's so bizarre that, that this, like, takes place in the middle. And we cut back, you know, back to this world of the airtight garage from, I guess, the world of Blueberry. Pro props to Marvel for, for, for keeping up with that spirit, you know, keeping up with Mobius a little bit. Yeah, you even see your coloring choices being pretty deliberately different. Yeah, now that's, you know, he had hand in that. Mm -hmm. uh, but, you know, is he kicking it with Kevin Nolan? Yeah, a lot Who I think on. is still the letterer on this stuff. Okay, yeah, I'd agree yeah. with that. Yeah, this, 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 maybe we're back. Keep following along, see what happens. Because I have not checked the, that bootleg in uh, this edition page by page. So it'd be funny if uh, it's just missing a couple chapters there in the middle. One of the things Grubert's been looking for is he has a contact on this in this world. And he's been trying to find that contact. And so this is his big effort. Like, we're getting close to it here. Look at that panel. I wondered if, um, if this was a prisoner reference. You know, they're going to, to door number six. And... Cornelius is, or Cornelian is coming in. So, you know, what is happening is these two are at odds and they're basically getting to this capital at the same time. Meanwhile, the, uh, the ruler, the mayor, governor, whoever of this world, also looking for uh, Grubert and starting to hone in on him, especially once this happens. <laughs> once his airplane destroyer, the, uh, the politician's airplane gets blown out of the sky, it's time to send in the, in the police. I just love this kind of stuff, man. This like mid mid action moment. Yeah, it's really great. It's such a good comic book moment. You think of like where do you where do you choose to draw the panel at what moment? Yeah, and that setup is clear. What's happening? Definitely has his his thousand hour and ten thousand hours practice on drawing horses thanks to Blueberry. Yeah, man. God bless him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always amazed by people that can do. Can do horses. Just figuring out human anatomy is tough enough. And this is this is uh, a little kind of Mobius insert, right? He, he's well. like he's like writing, writing out our story. The flying object of destiny. And, and and you know what? Like there will be, like Mobius references from the characters. You know, it's like almost like the way Masamune Shiro will do sometimes. I thought in, of Masamune Shiro in, in, some in of his these. in his comics. Like uh, the characters will be like. Geez, like Mobius is kind of, kind of filibustering, or like you know the characters will just cut and it'll be a fourth wall thing, and then they will keep going. It just seems like he's entertaining himself. It's what he says in the intro. He said that it doesn't really come together until like the last fifteen pages, and that he drew the or he he lay he kind of put those together all at once at one one sitting. So it it is just kind of like meandering, and at some point, how do you bring these threads together? That's so. This is wild, like for titling. There's so much. It feels so ornamental. Yeah, can go back to that real quick. And here's what you get <laughs> in uh, in Heavy Metal Magazine. Look man. how good the black and white looks, though. Well, it's purely black. Like, is that fully black? Because like there were a lot of instances earlier. I didn't point any of them out where there would be hatching uh, on here, and then it would show as like black in uh, my in the bootleg here. Like, this would be an example. Like, look at how dark this is compared to the wow. line art there. That's kind of fascinating. You know, it's... It's hard to tell because this is a bootleg, but, I mean, that kind of dark, that kind of thickening 
it feels like that's very it's bold. probably close to the heavy metal. Like, yeah, I, I would guess that's more a reflection of the printed version than the bootleg. Yeah, I, I think so. That's really interesting. Makes me wonder, like, did they reshoot this to then do like blue line or some right. color? You know what? I, it doesn't I, look like blue line to be honest. You know, it's flat colors, so it is flat color, but. Uh, there'll be times where you could see like a, the, the the blue on the side um like i have i have this magazine and i remember it as being super black like that mm -hmm. so so it definitely is shot from something with more fidel maybe from the originals which you would think a proper magazine publisher would have better facilities maybe they thought it was better darker or heavier line you know because some of those lines are pretty light in, the, in this color version so. maybe with the john workman paste ups it's a copy of a copy yeah and maybe you don't know what you're going to get on the printed version either because that's a thing if you read strange death, death of alex raymond there's a lot of talk about engravers and you know that printing process is just it's out of your hands as the artist like yeah. it's it's tough to have too much influence over it at that stage you know i think now we have a little more control but you might not have had as much in the in the late 70s all right so he meets his contact here but before uh before things can get resolved reality the, the world is starting to come apart oh yeah that's some wild drawing too you know how do you draw these like castles crumbling still with that baseline yes perspective yeah it's it's crazy to put like we're gonna unravel this reality a little bit but still maintain you you need the world to feel like 3d you see these guys and you can't you know you think of hr costigan or whatever mm -hmm. his name is from uh from Love the Love rockets. rockets totally absolutely got a uh charles schultz the a peanut shirt I bet these crowd scenes and like the bars and stuff are full of references. Yeah, I feel like there's like a Coco Clown, like Fleischer Brothers character in there. Would not surprise me. And Coco's kind of, the Fleischer Bros is kind of like that clear line. It's like established that clear line style or something. Now we're moving towards our showdown. Jerry Cornelian or Louis Cornelian ready to uh, face his enemy. Stuff like this is ballsy. Yellow on yellow. I would never think to do that. Yeah, it's true. These are the, the reality again coming apart. So these are the pages. I like these pages and the very next one are the ones that I saw at Angoulême. Wow. Uh, probably no bigger than our background, like probably smaller, which astounded me. I noticed no white out on the stuff it and the blacks were pure black uh it was the originals you could see some work making and stuff but it was precise it was perfect you didn't see any indication of underdrawings there was no blue line or anything used uh it must have been fully erased all the pencil marks and all the prep work because i was hoping to see some stuff here right you know like see some indications of of uh flow like 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 you know where you wanted the the tubes to to flow for the uh waves none of that that's fascinating i would love to have seen them like this effect you know if you look like this panel is is two almost two pieces yeah you know it makes me wonder i always when i see that stuff is i wonder like paste up yeah yeah right exactly are you actually drawing that and then cutting it apart 
and then the way this world is like being torn apart i really like how that's represented where it's cutting through some of the 3d elements i don't know how you would do this without some underdrawing because some of the stuff's real complex like the sub oh no I'm some of there, the water patterns yeah i'm saying i'm sure there was just I'm, minimal probably yeah yeah i'm sure there was I'm not, I'm not suggesting that there wasn't i'm just saying that the art was cleaned up substantially i'm of the impression that he does a lot of drawing in the ink stage I think so, yeah and we saw again see our video on mobius comics um, there's some pencil reproductions in that stuff, and they are minimal. This is the page I remember the most. Yes. Uh, from, from that sequence. Good good full figure there. This is a reveal. Up to this point, we thought we there was no indication that the engineer wasn't a, wasn't a man. Yeah, dude, it's like a Metroid. <laughs> yeah. Samus Aaron. Man, I see some Frank Miller drawing uh, Sin City line stuff in here. It'd be a shame to have lost this page. I think that page is in here. Okay. Yeah, the next page. Cool. That might have been an extra for the English edition. Hold on, let me see here. Oh yeah, it's the same. It's just it's just once again with that darkness. Yeah. That's almost the cover to Love and Rockets one. <laughs> it is. As we go into like some of the sci-fi stuff, it reminds me of Ronan. Miller sure. Ronan with some of the uh, European influence. Yeah, which he, which by European influence, he meant Mobius. Fair enough. Just like by manga influence, he meant Lone Wolf and Cub. Like very specific. <laughs> right. You think that's your Iron Man? I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Although I feel like a couple of these poses might, there might be more than one of them that's a reference to uh, superhero comics. That one looks like it's from Iron Man because it's a little bit wrong. Yeah. <laughs> How about this for like a weird sky cloud, the marks for it? Yeah, Very check, check this out. And you know what? It's it's even here. Like you see the mosaic, right? Yeah. It's, screen, one, of the, screen it's, tone. it's one of the few instances where Mobius is using a little bit of screen tone. You almost never see that in French comics. You know what's funny? When you slid that over, I got a different, kind of slightly different look at this, and it reminds me once again of like the Harriman landscapes. You know, that shape. It's something right out of it's. It's a very different version and perspective than you see in Crazy Cat, but it's the same kind of shape of an object. He does a lot of this, like spheres, and mm -hmm. then spheres turned a little bit. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of cool. I love this landscape. That felt. If you showed me just this, I wouldn't have said Mobius. Me neither. I, I would I would have said something like fanzine art. I would have said Simonson. Yeah, it'd almost be like like early 80s concept of uh, Atari, like an Atari game or yeah. something. I like it a lot, but it's it's very different and does not feel like what I think of for the rest of this book or, mm -hmm. or Mobius in general. This, on the other hand, sure, we're this, back. Yeah, this is this is another one that I that I had uh, for in my in my heavy metal magazines and stuff and would just just stare at it constantly man not understanding what i was looking at like if you go to the next page where you see i still don't totally understand it and it's it, this is kind of a fun treatment for our story so far running uh, vertical like where you see these kind of you know standard looking you know superhero-ish type thing but then you got these like cartoon guys i i, I didn't know that that was allowed right um, this page, fantastic. Love this page with like the corners being different panels. Yeah, and like like in Arzak, man, Arzak is is driving that shit. This I always thought of as like the danger room, because that was like my level of uh, comic book knowledge at that point. 
it's so the environments that he creates are so interesting yeah i like where do you begin how how do how do you how do you come up with this stuff the bacolites now from the very beginning we're coming back this is where they get to assert some of their will and look at this crazy object that they've that they've unleashed to tie these dudes up this is a great drawing it's it's a black room but you're still seeing enough kind of like white lines and reflections to make it be true to the perspective mm -hmm. a little bit of that woodring kind of line work And that's the stuff that a lot of those like second tier uh, guys would 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 fetishize. So, you know, like like you know, Kaza is dope as hell, but like he he definitely incorporates a lot of that stuff that that we associate with Mobius. Kaza may predate Mobius. Right. That um, Chris Cool, I think is I think it's from the '60s. I think mm. I know that he's in heavy metal. You know, later like a like a career. But I, I think some of his early stuff might predate Mobius. There's, there's like the stuff that would be in tandem in, in heavy metal. Like it's so much more of, of like this kind of. Right. Yeah. There's a. We're getting to another... I don't know an imitation version of this stuff. Yeah. We're getting... How couldn't there be though? You know, everybody copies people, and it's like if you see this, it's hard not to try to incorporate some of this. This is another set where I feel like the fidelity gets lost in the reduction that makes me think that it, it's drawn really big you said those originals you saw weren't that big right but it also had different kinds of line to yeah. it yeah it didn't have super thin this book um smells like i associate like 80s books have a certain scent you get any of that not quite the patchouli that i was th <laughs> expecting no i don't think it's a bad it's not mold or something it's it's what i associate with like book printing yeah, I know what you mean, man. Like nowadays, I could tell I could tell in two seconds if a book was uh, printed in China or not. There's a certain smell to Chinese printing. All these alien, like the Nagual, all these alien races. It's it's uh, vivid imagination for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I like this effect too. Some of the backgrounds here. A lot of these effects, like you'll see these different backgrounds where it's almost drawings or what he's using to create, you know, space or atmosphere. Doesn't that look like a picture box uh, comic or something? It does. Yeah. I can see that being like CF or something. Yeah. One of those things you talk about the rules being broken that you didn't know you could do stuff. This is one of those things for me where you would go from, you know, like a relative because I was into like put a lot of lines on the page i was into that that made sense but to be able to do like lots of lines on the page and then like you'd have a you'd have this stuff where it's like almost no lines like sure. one line for a character's face yeah i mean just even this yeah that that was something that visually i just could not square how that would work this is a really nice sequence too you know to go from these this page to this spread and just dropping Far out color out. just dropping out color and it's almost a fourth wall thing. We're like acknowledging that it's just a comic or something. Yeah, it is. Reminds me a little bit of long, The Long Goodbye. Mm -hmm. It has that kind of, I don't know, reality bending. You know, it's not cyberpunk in the technical sense, but it feels like the way reality sort of bending. You know, you're opening this door to another, another existence, another world. Very cool. 
and your afterword. These were nice. Oh, the, so the good. epic editions. It was a good way to present Mobius. Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah. with a little bit of extra context because this stuff is kind of hard to. How does it all fit together? It looks like it's one universe, but sometimes they're self-contained. Yeah. Very mind-bending, very trippy. And 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 super props, man, to like Dark Horse Comics for publishing the horny goof and still and keeping the same format, but it's a Dark Horse book, but it you would mm -hmm. never know it. Like that to me, that's uh that's a selfless act in a way. Because yeah. you could have put your big Dark Horse logo all, all over it. And, and, you know, it's there, but they retained the aesthetic. And Marvel wasn't a bunch of cockheads and, like, trying to sue or anything. Like, like it was it was cool. It creates the continuity. Yeah, it's a really neat piece. You know, we, we look at this and talk, like, some of the psychedelic elements. And it reminds me a lot of Jack Kirby in that sense. where Or, or Ditko, where I think of these guys that, like, oh, man, that guy should he must have been tripping on all kinds of drugs. And we know that's not the case with Kirby Ditko. I don't believe Mobius uh, I, I don't know Mobius's history, but I, I don't think he's known as being. A... I, I don't. I wish. I don't know about that, man. I, I feel like I feel like he he was pretty open about chemical endeavors and stuff. All right. Well, then I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> but I do see that link, you know, from a psychedelic standpoint. Like yeah. it feels like these are guys who had a lot of differences, yeah. and yet you read these comics and it's just worlds, man. It's like these these worlds. You can you can when people sort of break down the different kinds of hallucinations that, that can be done through chemical endeavors uh, or lack of sleeping and eating can create a certain kind a of hallucinatory. One. So, like, that's Kirby and Ditko, like, working all fucking day, not sleeping at night, and just, like, I'm going to draw a big head sitting on a chair with, like, arms and legs come out, and I'm going to call him MODOK. Like, like <laughs> MODOK only comes from that kind of, like, deprivation. Like, you're, 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 you're completely out of touch with the outside world at that at that exact moment, <laughs> you are not seeing outside right. of your universe, and and this is like, this is like third eye, like mind expanding kind of. You know, in the intro, he does talk about doing this kind of work, uh, you know, like all nighters yeah. and stuff, and then reassessing it the next day or in the days following as a way to like, what what did I make here? <laughs> what what is this piece? So. Yeah, it's interesting. I heard, uh, I think it was on Joe Rogan, they were talking about various alien ideas, and Rogan was saying how, like, ideas to him are alien. Because, like, where do they come from? Ask anybody, writer, artist, whoever, where their ideas come from, and it's this real nebulous, hard to explain. Alan Moore's written about it, where it's almost like uh, waves in the air, and you're, you're like a receptor for different things, and ideas being one of them. And I, I kind of feel like that with, uh, whenever you talk about MODOK, right who comes up with modok a lot of us can stay up all night we're not coming up with modok it's almost like your brain is tuned in a way to being open to these weird connections one of the receptive things or something that i think like if you can if you can uh create a situation where you, that can even be possible uh like for a year try to do a jack kirby amount of work you know and and tap into that you know but like you have to run the risk of of creating turds for for a year and if you could do that like if you can sustain yourself and and all that like i feel like it's a worthy experiment because you might really crack a code i always feel like i'm like this close to uh to cracking a code of my own stuff like i like my growth is happening and it's incremental but i always feel like it's like on the cusp of something and i think the answer is just do a thousand pages do a thousand more pages and if you do them with speed you might create your some language like Kirby created 
the Kirby that we have in our mind out of necessity, you know, and finding out what looks cool and what can I do in kind of like a shorter amount of time. Like that was like his concerns. Mm -hmm. The French, I, I don't, I don't think that that's, that's their concern. That's I was Mobius always under the impression Mobius was, was worked fast. Yeah. And I, and I don't know why that was, if that was self-directed, I think he was in high demand. So there was probably like a thousand jobs in every direction, uh, you know, no time to pause. But I was always under the impression that he was he was uh, worked pretty fast. Yeah, and there's I mean there's also the the aspect of Mobius being the nighttime gig, like well he, he's paying his bills, drawn. That's really Western comics, because you see there there are other artists who have done that. Yeah, where it's like that becomes of course what they're known for, but it starts out as this is my this is my art. This it's is a, what I get to do, you know, by myself it, some time. It's a it's a cool thing to want. think about, like because. Uh, he, the you know the way there there are those like instances in in business right where it's like George Foreman made way more money selling grills than he did through pugilism and there are like lots of those kinds of things where people make a little deal make the most money on that stuff and it would be cool if Mobius like made I mean obviously Hollywood is the bigger thing but he is known for this well I guess what I'm saying is it would be cool to be known for one kind of comic than the other kind of comic or something you know what i mean like to be no more for the whimsical sci-fi shit than you know your rough and tumble it's weird stuff i, I think about this a lot because i've been working on like my will in a way like once you're dead who cares like it's a weird thing like the fact that he got to do both is is the awesome part and then i don't know like we get to decide which one we like better well or yeah gravitate like, towards uh, or... I'm, I'm thinking like like the, the part that matters is the unselfish part that is about legacy and family and taking care of your loved ones like that's the part that i'm thinking about not necessarily like two dudes kibitzing on youtube uh and and that does matter you know if you want to take care of a couple of generations of your family it would be nice to have something that does it and it would be nice if it's the thing that you're most passionate about is what i'm saying why not well I can't add much to that. <laughs> I'm glad to sit down with this. And it's, you know, Blueberry's on my list too. So hopefully at some point we'll look at uh, some of that work too and see how that stuff shakes out. Happy to do it, man. You good to go? Yep. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. What's out there, man? Hulk Grand Design Monster and Hulk Grand Design Madness are both out now in comic shops everywhere while supplies last. So pick those up if your local shop has them. 60 years history of the Incredible Hulk retooled in two oversized issues by me, writing, drawing, lettering, coloring, all that good stuff. Perfect for new readers or longtime readers. Join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my comics art and download some of my out-of-print comics. And come check us out at Heroes Con in Charlotte at the end of the month. Red Room Trigger Warnings Issue 1, 2, 3, and 4 on the stands as we speak. Murder on the Dark Web for Fun and Profit is the name of the game. Every issue completely self-contained. The Anti-Social Network trade paperback on uh, store shelves as well. It is banned in more than 28 countries. It is banned in more than 10 comic shops. But you can order and pre-order these comics at my link tree in the description below this video. I appreciate everybody supporting the project uh, the way they have been. Continued support will be much appreciated. You can read these comics today on the Patreon, patreon.com slash edpiscor. Three bucks for the archive there, and I have more than 200 pages worth of stuff 
up there uh, as we speak. Jimmy, what else do we have? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts and merchandise at the links below this video. That's another great way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel, and we want to see those Cartoonist Kayfabe shirts at Heroes Con in a couple of weekends, man. Give them those marching orders, Jimmy. We'll be on our way. Read more comics.